Sergeant? Sergeant! Sergeant! Who get us today? I don't know. I only saw one of them camouflaged. He was there. Those eyes disappeared. What was that? Those eyes there. They disappeared. I know one thing, Major. I drew down a fire straight at it. Capped off 200 rounds in the minigun. Full pack. Nothing. Nothing on this earth could have lived. Not at that range. Nick. You take first watch. Then you get some rest. Okay. Ask, her. Ask her what she saw. Ask her what happened to Hawkins. Go ahead, ask her. ¿Qué pasó hoy? ¿Qué fue lo que viste? Te dije lo que sé. Fue la selva que se lo llevó. ¿Qué más quieres que te diga? She says the same fucking thing. The jungle that came alive and took him. Billy, you know something. What is it? I'm scared, Pancho. Bullshit. You ain't afraid of no man. There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed On Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You have been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight! It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 265, and I am your host, Lee. If it bleeds, we can kill it, Russell. And I am joined by the returning OG co-host, <laughs> Daniel, dug in like an Alabama tick. Harper, how you doing, sir? That's me in this podcast. I'm just dug into you'll never you'll never ever get me out of it. That's the that's the <laughs> you know, I will always come back. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, welcome back. It's yeah. uh, what's last, last thing we did was what uh, sneakers, right? Uh, Goodfellas, we did Goodfellas. Oh yeah, we did good. Jesus Christ, I've done so many episodes now that's like I forget what the fuck I do. <laughs> well, he should probably leave, you know let people behind the curtain and uh, realize exactly what I said to you when I said let's do this. Uh, let's do this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will say it if you like. Um, you know, uh, I was like, have we never done a Schwarzenegger movie? Let's do Predator at some point. And Lee very responsibly came back to me and went, um, uh, Daniel, we we did the Running Man. And we did. Uh, Commando. <laughs> Commando. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like, you know, like, oh, right. Well, except for those, you know. Uh, yeah, no. We've done yeah. We've done a ton. We've done a ton of, uh, of movies. So, you know. I've always, I've always got to search back on Podbean now and just make sure of things. It's like, wait, have we done that yet? Because sometimes <laughs> Lady Lee, who unfortunately can't uh, join tonight, she's like, let's do this film. It's like, 
I'm pretty sure we did that like 300 episodes ago or whatever the <laughs> yeah. fuck, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, my sister-in-law was uh, asking, was like, uh, I was asking my, my wife, I uh, was like, uh, you know, have you uh, uh, asked Daniel if you've ever seen Thief uh, from mm-hmm. 1981? And uh, I said, not only have I seen Thief, I've podcasted Thief. And then I went and looked at it and it was like summer 2017. And I'm like, yeah. holy Christ, that was five years ago. So, yeah. And that's that's when we did, uh, I think that was like our first stint in doing crime films, too, where we did it for like maybe a year almost of just like, hey, let's do a few noir and crime films. And it was like, this is getting out of hand. We, yeah. we need to stop. <laughs> we need to stop at some point. Yeah, no. For sure, but yeah, you su- you suggested Predator, and you also have some other suggestions that um, well, we'll probably eventually get to that you uh, sent to me a uh, private message on Twitter. But yeah, Predator, nineteen eighty seven. We've we've done the sequel already. The- yeah, I think I think this is the only movie podcast that ever thought it would be more pertinent to do Predator two before doing the original. Mm. That's just how we play things here, you know. Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, we did Predator Two. I, I don't remember the episode number, but it was with uh, RoboCop Two. Uh, right. So we were doing like, hey, let's look at these ninety sequels to these like classic films. And, yeah. No. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, we can talk about what we've watched lately. So uh, I know you have something, so I'll throw over to you first. Yeah, I just have a real quick one. This was uh, I recently took a, a little um, overnight. You know, kind of spent the night in Chicago. Mm. Uh, and uh, got to see Barton Fink at the Music oh. Box Theater as part of their um, uh, outdoor like, garden summer movie festival. Barton Fink is obviously, I mean, I'd, I'd seen it once on like Bravo or whatever, like years mm-hmm. ago, um, or like the IFC channel or something. So I had seen it once and never really revisited it. But, you know, we were planning to take the trip to Chicago, and I was like, hey, it wouldn't be nice to see what's playing at the Music Box. And then like, oh, Barton Fink is playing in the garden. So, yeah, let's go. And the music box is just like very old school. I mean, it's literally over 90 years old. Uh, movie okay. theater. It was like Roger Ebert's like favorite movie theater while he was alive. Um, and it's in this like just great neighborhood and everything. It's just, I mean, it's just this amazing spot. And so uh, it was like, well, <laughs> let's take the opportunity. Um, and we went and it was a really great time. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, it was outdoors, so you did get a little of the, uh, you know, city noise. You know, you had some some uh, helicopters flying overhead, et cetera. So, you know, not the not mm-hmm. the pristine cinema experience, but it is like the kind of really lovely cinema experience that, you know, mm-hmm. people should get to have more often. And, of course, the film is, uh, you know, kind of a, I don't know, I, it's not my it's not my top tier Coen Brothers films, but it's definitely like deeply interesting and i think this was like a perfect film to see in that setting as well because it is just about the kind of artifice and movie making and the mm-hmm. know, sort of uh you know it's, it's got these like such surreal elements and it doesn't really all hang together in kind of a narrative way all the time um and it clearly has like a deeply kind of personal meaning for uh for the cohen's um and yeah. i would never <laughs> i would never ask them to try to explain it because <laughs> you know it's it is what it is i think i think it works on on thematic level as opposed to a narrative level um but yeah yeah now great film if you haven't seen it check it out uh i think it's a giant i mean john gibbon is a f- phenomenal actor and i think mm-hmm. probably a top five role for him i mean he's just so oh, yeah. fucking good at that yeah um yeah i'd, I'd, I'd probably stick it <clears throat> middle of the pack cohen's brother 
movie for me as well, which, you know, middle of the pack is still like, hey, that's the top percentile of movies <laughs> right. out there. Um, you know, it's not Fargo. It's not No Country for Old Men. It's not like there are maybe like two or three Blood Simple would probably be in that like oh, yeah. short list for me. It's not that good, but like it's definitely, you know, like one step below that. I would put it, you know, if that's like the A tier, this is like the B tier, you know. Mm-hmm. And like I always, uh, I, I know like Hollywood writers and stuff really connect with that film. Like I, whenever I hear like podcasts of like Hollywood writers, screen screenwriters and stuff like that, if they ever talk about Barton Fink, they just like start fawning over it because they, I guess they, they connect to it to an even deeper level than we would, you know? Yeah. I, I like Barton Fink. It's a good movie. Yeah. Newsflash to people out there. If you've not heard of Barton, Fink. Yeah, if you've not heard, if you've not heard of Barton Fink, please, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Did they did did anyone survive that? What, what the fuck? That was just Ruthie chasing Phoebe out of the kitchen. That's all that was. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah. And apparently Phoebe got a little bit too close to something that Ruthie wanted, and that was enough. Yeah. yeah well. Um if you haven't seen Barton Fink recently, also check it out. Um it, it is worth a revisit. It it held up very well. Um it was very with very little uh elements that were I mean, it does use the K word quite a bit. Like mm-hmm. you know, know that going in if you're not if you're not kind of used to that um but uh other than that it, it actually does hold up better than i think you would think it would for a movie from 1993 you know it's it's yeah yeah it's good i got a couple i'll mention here so i don't know if i don't know if you've um what your sort of podcast listening for entertainment value is like anymore considering how much other shit you have to listen to on a on a daily basis pretty much but the Quentin Tarantino, Roger Avery podcast that they have now, uh, mm-hmm. the, the the video archives podcast. So they they did a. I've been actually sort of checking out some of the stuff they've been mentioning because it's like, oh, that actually sounds pretty fucking cool, and I've never heard of it, or I've heard of it and I forgot about it. Uh, they mentioned Cocaine Cowboys from 1979. So there is a like an okay-ish copy of it you can find on YouTube. It's directed by uh, Yuli uh, Lommel, who is this German director who was like, he's kind of a more of like a sleaze merchant, but he somehow was connected with sort of like the German new wave at the time. And so, you know, he got, he got some prominence for a while, but this is not really like a lot of his other films. And it's, it's this interesting film about this, uh, you know, this band and their manager played by Jack Palance, who are doing drug deals are not, deals but they're like transporting drugs from south america to the u.s right so they're they're part of the like the cocaine cowboys phenomenon right where mm-hmm. they get you know private cessna or whatever take a bunch of drugs bring it back drop it in the water and then someone would come and pick it up or drop it in a specific area and someone come pick it up or whatever right they fuck up their latest job and they're trying to get out of the business anyway because they're actually starting to get some success in the uh, music uh, industry and well, of course, the mobsters aren't too fond of that, especially since they fuck up their latest job and the drugs sort of get lost. And so the mobsters are putting pressure on them like, hey, you come up with our drugs sooner. We're going to fuck you guys up. We're going to kill you. And also, they're not so sure if somebody may be in inside their little group, like sabotage things to try to take the drugs for themselves. So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a hangout movie. It's kind of a crime picture. It's got Tom Sullivan, who was like a legit 
like musician who did this stuff and he's kind of the lead <laughs> in the film and it's basically about him it's basically his life and so it's it's kind of a vanity project and on his part because it's like basically telling his story and like this guy legit um they, they talked about it on the the video archives podcast how he's always got a glove on his hand because he and he had a plane crash where he like severely burnt his hand and so he's he's got like a glove covering that up and that guy didn't live long after this actually like he died a couple years afterwards some suspect he was actually killed by the mob so who knows but uh this this is interesting it's got andy warhol in it and so Tom Sullivan, I guess he ran in those circles for a little while because he was, you know, interesting to Warhol's group. Like, oh, this musician who's also a drug <laughs> mule, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's the uh, yeah Andy Warhol. I would have no reason to, uh, you know, be fond of that kind of figure for sure. You know? mm-hmm. So it, it's just a neat little time capsule of a of a kind of a bygone era, like that stuff that just doesn't really happen anymore. And like Andy Warhol's kind of just good playing himself in it, you know, as a non-actor. And Jack Palance just like fucking runs away with every scene he's in, just doing his Jack Palance thing. And it's kind of a hidden gem, like really kind of great. Yeah. I, I really like that. It, it needs to be restored and re-released. Like it's it's legit that good. Yeah, no. I mean, um, usually when you run into those kind of things, there's there's some kind of rights issue, particularly like a music mm-hmm. issue. If there's yeah. music in the film, I'm sure that's a big part of it. But you know, if Tarantino is is pushing it, you know, maybe uh, maybe somebody will get on that yeah. and release it to the to the ever burgeoning DVD market. <laughs> you know, like just, yeah. you know, produce produce the, the very alive format, the the Blu-ray, mm-hmm. like Blu-ray. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure you know it it actually is screened at Tarantino's theater, right? The, uh, right. uh, the, what you call it, but, um, and I'm, I'm sure he probably either owns a print of it somewhere or he knows people who owns like a, a good print of it somewhere. So I'm sure it might get some more traction because of that, but, uh, we'll see. The only other one I'll mention is a uh, perfect blue from 1997. This is a, uh, animated film from Japan. And it's it's not your usual anime stuff. It's not your, you know, fantastical uh, sort of fantasy, horror, sci-fi, anime or whatever. It's actually just like a Brian De Palma style psychological thriller slash horror film uh, done in. It just happens to be an anime. Um, It's basically about a uh, one of those Japanese uh, young Japanese uh, pop stars, female pop stars. You know how they have that sort of phenomenon over there where it's like. They, you know, they they put just like they put together boy bands. They put together these uh, super groups of like Japanese girls singing, and they tend to age out of it. You know, after a while, yeah. um, this is one. This one's basically about this uh, this singer in in one of those groups who decides she wants to have an acting career, and the reaction of her fan base basically to that, um, and and how her managers and stuff also look at her uh, trying to transition out of uh, basically what's a good thing. It's still a cash cow that could make them a lot of money. And she's moving to another area and she's got this crazy stalker who is following her around and she's starting to lose grip on reality as well as like her old uh, pop star persona is like talking to her in her head as she's trying to make this transition to acting. And it's, um, 
it's pretty pretty damn good. Uh, I really I, I've seen it before, and I, this is basically a rewatch after seeing it like in I don't know somewhere in the early two thousands, and um, it holds up really well. It's it's one of the you know it's it's up there I'd say with like Akira and stuff like that is like some of the best anime out there as far as motion picture you know feature length pictures go. So yeah. Uh, I haven't seen this one. I've I've kind of known of it. It's been on my radar for a long time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, as as uh, I believe the same director did Paprika, which is another film yeah. that sort of has like kind of similar themes. Um, which again I haven't seen, but has long been on the like. Yeah, I should get around to that one of these days. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, yeah, both of those sound sound fascinating. Uh, sound you know, especially uh, Cooking Cowboys. I mean, you mm-hmm. know that that you know that the little slice of that bygone era of cinema, you know, definitely something that, uh, you know, uh, right up our wheelhouse on this, on this podcast. And, uh, <clears throat> uh, it's a shame we haven't done more animated films, honestly, because I mean, that is like a huge, like chunk of cinema and something that I think we both have at least some interest in. Um, yeah. we just uh, like, I, I don't think we've done a single animated film. I mean, you probably, uh, we have, we have now, um, <clears throat> that, that lady Lee is on the, on the podcast as well. Cause we, uh, we did, um, God, now I can't even think of the goddamn name of it. It was just a few episodes ago. American Pop. We did. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty damn good. Although, you know, that was um, that was a Gary Hill suggestion. But, you know, Lady Lee's like, we're going to do more weird shit that you usually wouldn't do. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll we'll probably get more animated <laughs> it's, stuff. It's healthy. There. It's healthy for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get into your comfort zone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play a uh, podcast promo, some music, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Predator. And I don't know about you, Daniel, but I think. We got this, man. We got this by the ad. Ah! Uh, there's this show called Movie Melt, and you probably know about it. Uh, and it's once every two. I have no idea how often this is uploaded. <laughs> and it's a show where a bunch of companeros get together and. We play some fun games, trivia mainly. Uh, we talk about new releases. Uh, we have some fun games where we try and guess the title of a movie based on stuff that really probably religious people write on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, it takes about 20 hours to record. There's always a failure midway through. Uh, and then the highlight of the week of the, of the show is uh, reviewing a movie. Usually it's kind of a interesting, lesser known cult type movie and it's uh, quite enjoyable it sounds good in theory yes <laughs> i might have a listen one day <laughs> wow
All right, Predator, nineteen eighty-seven, directed by John McTiernan, and we do have a trailer. We are rescue team, not assassins. Now, what are we gonna do? In a part of the world where there are no rules, we pick up their trailer, the chopper, run them down, grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there. What do you mean we? Deep in the jungle, where nothing that lives is safe. You lose it here. You're in a world of hurt. Showtime, kid. Knock, knock. An elite rescue squad. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. But now... Let's get Billy so spooked. There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took him. We cannot see it. No blood, no bodies. We hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. Whatever it is out there, killed Harper. And now it wants us. It kills for pleasure. He was skinned alive! It hunts for sport. He's killing us one at a time. We're all going to die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Century Fox presents Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. The hunt begins Friday, June 12th at theaters everywhere. just got me thinking i was listening to the music playing in that trailer and like the common practice of we don't have a score yet so we're just going to use music from another movie i can't remember what movie it's from but it's like none of that appears in the actual movie no no, not at all this is all this is all like very generic like action movie trailer stuff at the time yeah yeah Um, yeah that's what trailers used to sound and look like too guys Mm -hmm. like you know i know i know we're old men and we keep like highlighting the fact that we're old men but like that that was like the format of the trailer in 1987 like you know yeah. You have now listened to every single action movie trailer made throughout the eighties. Like that's <laughs> what they, that's just what they look like. Yeah. So yeah. And if this yeah. was an Italian trailer, it'd be even it'd be like three minutes longer and it would get to every beat in the film before you picked it up. Right. Um, but yeah, John McTiernan directing this, uh, he really doesn't have a lot of films under his belt necessarily as a director, uh, but he, you know, he does have some, Stone Cold Classics. He's got Die Hard, of course, which uh, is probably the one he's most known for. Hunt for Red October. Last Action Hero. I kind of like Last Action Hero, actually. I, I know it, people shit on it. It's better than its reputation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, I think that one suffered from the fact that, like, it was in the middle of that, like, screenwriters getting, like, millions of dollars per, you know. And mm-hmm. it's fine if your action star gets $20 million to, to <laughs> act in a movie for six weeks. Mm-hmm. But the writer who writes it making $4 million, well, that's just... 
that's just that's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's just cool. you can't you can't do that. No, that's, that's this is not how bananas. the system works. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, fuck. Uh, they're those those fucking writers. They're lucky that we even pay attention to them. You know. <laughs> uh, so of course we have Arnold Schwarzenegger as Dutch. Yeah, Carl Weathers making a return to the podcast here from his uh, debut in the Bermuda Depths back in the day. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's a deep cut. <laughs> mm-hmm. As Dylan, uh, we got Elpedia Carrillo as Anna. I don't really know much of her other credits. I, I didn't really recognize other than Salvador. Yeah, I was looking at her uh, Wikipedia page just to just to kind of check in idly, and she started out, hey, like, her dad was killed when she was like two years old by like a Mexican like drug cartel or something, oh. you know. I and like she grew up around like that, like that's the kind of environment she grew up in. Um, and she uh horrifying like family violence becomes a model that gets discovered at age 13 or whatever, and oh. you know, just kind of works her way up and does a ton of like um, you know, uh Mexican cinema and a lot of like South American cinema, and then uh moves into kind of get does some some Hollywood roles and from what I understand she is still, still her, she has a movie coming out next year. Yeah. Yeah. Blue yeah. Beetle. Oh yeah. That, that's, uh, that's a yeah. DC movie, right? Blue Beetle. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And she had she did some stuff in twenty twenty. I mean she was in Seven Pounds, the uh Will Smith uh, vehicle. Um she's oh, in um okay. yeah. 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 I mean she she's been a working actor, I mean, you know, uh, off and on for you know, decades, literally. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, arguably it's had as, as solid a career as Arnold Schwarzenegger has. I think we'll get to that here. Um, yeah, so, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, we got Bill Duke as Mac. Um, of course, we've we've covered him in Commando. Eventually, mm-hmm. we're going to cover him in The Limey. Uh, he's got a great role in that one as well. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, and recently, uh had a sort of bit part in Mandy, which uh, he was really good in as well. Oh. Um, you know, uh, we got Jesse Ventura or Jesse, the body Ventura or the governor, not the governor, but uh, no, the other governor. The yeah. The, the, governor. Maybe the, yeah. The, the, maybe the first one. I don't know. He, he, he did it before uh, Arnie did. So, uh, but um, yeah, as Blaine, of course uh, he was in the running man. He had his own starring vehicle, a Braxis guardian of the universe, which is kind of cool. Uh, uh, also known for Demolition Man, although it's like you you blink and you miss him. Like his parts kind of dried up, which I think it's unfortunate. I think he's actually pretty fucking good in the stuff he's in. So uh, yeah. it's kind of weird that his, his career went the went the uh, the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories and uh, and bullshit <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, not 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 the person with the worst politics in this cast. Just to be clear, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because I know where we're going next. <laughs> <laughs> we got Sonny Landham as Billy. Yeah. Uh, he yeah, uh, he's got some ideas, or he did until he died. <laughs> he, but... he died in 2017. Mm. Uh, literal white nationalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is which is weird yeah. considering his heritage. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that that happens. But yeah, anyway. yeah. Uh, former 1970s porn star who uh, hit it big in a couple of uh, Walter Hill films. Uh, he was in Southern Comfort. Uh, most remember, most remembered, though, probably for uh, 48 Hours as one of the uh, villains in that. Uh, also had a bit part in Action Jackson uh, along with uh, Carl Weathers. 
got Richard Chavez as Poncho. One of his bigger movies he's, he was in before this was Witness with Harrison Ford, although I think it's just a small part. I, I know him most from the War of the Worlds TV show, the first season. Yeah. 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 And his career kind of his career kind of went down in the sense that he had a legit, like, really dangerous stalker. And he basically went into hiding for years, apparently. Um, <laughs> that's that's gonna, that's got to be that's got to be fucked, man. Like you're yeah. going to be like you're in Predator. You're you know you're mm-hmm. in like one of the one of the great action movies of all time, and you're building a career. You got a you're leading a TV show, and then suddenly you have such a terrible stalker that you just have to like quit acting for two yeah. years. That's that's that sucks. It <laughs> sucks ass. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, we got R.G. Armstrong as General Phillips. He's, uh, you know, character actors, popped up in tons of stuff. Uh, a lot of um, Sam Peckinpah stuff. Uh, he was in Ride the High Country, Major Dundee, <clears throat> The Ballad of Cable Hogue, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Uh, he did a bunch of, like, sort of uh, Dixie exploitation stuff or exploitation stuff like White Line Fever, White Lightning, Dixie Dynamite. Uh, even showed up in uh, Lone Wolf McQuaid, one of the better Chuck Norris films. So uh, there we go. Uh, Shane Black. He also lived like into his 90s, too. Uh, He was like born in 1917, died like 2012 or something like that. Yeah. We got Shane Black as Hawkins. And of course, uh, most people know him as the director and writer of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man 3 and The Nice Guys. But of course, he also wrote Lethal Weapon, The Monster Squad, Last Boy Scout, Last Action Hero. And the long kiss goodnight, which I have a soft spot for. I really yeah. like that film. I, I, I have I have I have a soft spot for Shane Black's entire uh, mm-hmm. career. It is a, uh, you know, it's it's a bit shameful, but you know, I do have I do have a soft spot for it for sure. Yeah, um, and we got Peter Kevin Hall as the predator and the helicopter pilot uh, as well at the end there when you <laughs> when they're picking up Arnie, um, <laughs> and we got Peter Cullen as the predator's voice and he's most he's done like a million fucking voice acting credits in just about your everyone in our generation's childhood basically but he's most known as optimus prime and oh. he and he reprised that for the shitty transformers movies that michael bay made as well uh but uh yeah I, i'm sure he got a paycheck oh <laughs> no. he yeah. is i'm sure peter cullen is doing okay yeah <laughs> you know uh so we got we had a a synopsis here for some called a legs on um imdb a team of special force ops led by a tough but fair soldier major dutch schaefer ordered to assist cia man colonel al Dillon on a rescue mission for potential survivors of a helicopter downed over remote south american jungle not long after they land dutch and his team discovered they have been sent in under false pretenses this deception turns out to be the least of their worries, though, when they find themselves being methodically hunted by something not of this world. And yeah, that's not a bad on the back yeah. of the box. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to throw over to you, Daniel. Uh, give me your general thoughts on Predator. Sure. <clears throat> well, um, this is one I kind of grew up with. Um, mm-hmm. The way I grew up with a lot of the movies of this you know type and era. Mm-hmm. Uh, the funny thing is that I had very few like solid memories of the storyline of it and you mm-hmm. know anything um i think for me it was something that i just sort of like would watch only for the effects and for the you know like like the special effects are were really the thing that kind of kept me coming oh, yeah. back 
Hearts. Um, and all of the, you know, kind of stuff leading up to it is just like the, you know, it's the boring setup that the 10 year old just doesn't care about, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like, there's a CIA black op and there's a, you know, oh no, we were double crossed. And, you know, it's all these kind of like big men with big pecs and big guns, you know, kind of, you know, <laughs> focusing on each other, which apparently is also what the uh, behind the scenes were. Yes. Kind of like. Yeah. yeah um, I'm sure we'll get into that in the trivia section at the end, but um, yeah, rewatching it, it was very, um, it's, I did not remember how long it takes to first to really get to the predator sequences because mm-hmm. the, the first, Hour of this movie is, you know, a pretty standard. I mean, like a quality, but a pretty standard of the era. You just action flick in a jungle sort of thing. Yeah. You know, you don't need the predator in this to make a compelling movie because the rest of the movie could be, oh, there are like some rebels that we have to fight, or there's some, you know, and we're still like the plot could be the same, and you just you don't even need the predator element to it. Um, and I think that's part of what, um. I don't know. It's one of those like from dust till dawn kind of things where you can almost imagine this being like kind of a, a bait and switch kind of movie in which like you just realize you're an hour in the movie and suddenly there are fucking aliens in this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, uh, you know that, that I was thinking about that when I was watching it. So like when we get the opening titles, we get the actual predator ship coming into our atmosphere and dropping the right. predator off. And it's like, what if you hadn't done that? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, as a, as an audience member, I know that I paid a, I paid money to go see something called Predator. Mm. And I've seen that trailer. And, you know, so, I mean, it is kind of one of those things of like the ethics of like selling people a ticket to a movie that you're not actually going to give them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, but um, it's always like this fantasy of like, wouldn't it be great if, if nobody had known it was an alien movie? And yeah, it's there, you know, um, no, no. Um, but yeah, no, we spend the bulk of this movie. It's like the first, I mean, really you don't get to like the Predator actively hunting people until, an hour into the movie mm-hmm. and then you spend about 20 minutes kind of like picking everybody else off in the movie, except for Dutch, which, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> Dutch was also Ronald Reagan's childhood name. <laughs> and I can imagine that, that was um, unintentional on the part of uh, mm-hmm. the, the film. Um, and then you spend the last like 15, 20 minutes or so with Dutch kind of going, you know, one-on-one with the predator. Um, and um, it's a, it's a really bizarre structure. You know, when you think about it, it's like a really, um, it feels almost off kilter. I mean, it all works, but um, if you came here for like predator action sequences, like this is actually not that great at delivering those. I mean, no. it, what, it gives you, it ge- it, what it gives you is brilliant, but most of the, most of the movie is, you know, kind of like, you know, big dudes with big guns flexing at each other, you know, and yeah. it's not, that, that kind of delivery system. So I think maybe that's why this one didn't um, imprint as hard on me as uh, some of the other films of this era did. Some of the other Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicles did uh, when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. So it really is a big like genre bender, right? Like the, the, your dusk till dawn uh, comparison is pretty apt. I didn't think about that, but yeah, it does really, e- even though, you know, no, you, you know, going in, Oh, there's an alien. The movie structure is still like, let's flip it on its head halfway through and and here's what's really going on. Um, So it's a very overly macho film with a real life macho frat alpha atmosphere be between the (laughs) actors behind the scenes. Like they were really into that shit, but there's, there's no way in hell that this movie was not self-aware that 
of, of that thing. Like it, it feels very much like a criticism of a lot of those tropes in a way where it, it makes it clear that these tough guys with the best equipment and training can't handle the predator. Like when, when it, when it comes down to it, uh, they're just incapable. They're reduced to like quivering wrecks, you know, like at, at the end their Mac is just like, he's gone nuts and he, he can't deal with it. Like he, he's, he's just, he's a danger to himself and the team. Uh, he's not a danger to the predator at all. Um, and and I, I like that this film is kind of a you know a, a send up of of that sort of uh, tough guy testosterone f- filled kind of thing, and I'm still kind of amazed how many people don't get that. Like, well, there are people who don't get that RoboCop is a satire, and yeah, like, I guess they don't get yeah. that RoboCop is a satire. Like, this is several layers down in terms mm-hmm. of. Obviousness. I mean, I think there just wasn't this moment in the 80s in which action had just gotten so absurd and so extreme that, mm-hmm. that once you're putting Arnold Schwarzenegger in a Mexican rainforest and handing him the biggest rifle you can possibly, the biggest machine gun you can possibly give him mm-hmm. and never make him reload. <laughs> <You know? laughs> once, once that's what you're just doing with a camera, um, the, the parody just kind of writes itself. Like you don't even have to have the subtext there. It just, it's just text at that point, you know? Yeah. Like, well, th- I think the interesting thing though, is like w- before we get up to the predator with, with uh, Schwarzenegger and his team, they play it fairly straight, right? Like it's yeah. very detail orientated. It's, it's very like, it feels authentic. It, it's not like commando where it becomes a cartoon, right? <laughs> right. Commando is a cartoon from start to finish. And mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah. what I love about commando, you know, but, you but, know, but this, you look, this you, is not, it feels, it feels very lived in. It feels very like, this is the movie that this is the movie we're going to see. Right. Mm-hmm. And McTiernan, McTiernan is well known for that. I mean, the hunt for red October is you know, just yeah. straight up. Um, you know, it is, it is obsessed with like the details of like, how you do like sonar pings and such. And, and this is mm-hmm. kind of obsessed with like, okay, we're going to put people down here. We're going to extract here. We're going to, you know, attack the military base here. Although some of the, mm-hmm. some of the, some of the assaults on that, on that base where gets a little, some of that action, yeah. some of that action is just a little bit, um, <laughs> yeah, a, a little bit, not quite all, not quite thought out all that well, you know, like, well, um, at, the, at, I, at the same, at the same time, I do appreciate how it goes a little over the top at that part yeah. because it reinforces how good this team is in North normal circumstances. So they are that action hero team. That's like above and beyond, like they're superhuman because they wipe that base out. Like it's nothing. There's like what a hundred <laughs> dudes there and they're gone yeah. in five minutes. No. I mean, for me, there's just like, there's this one shot of, you know, I forget which two dudes, but they're like walking down the stairs. They're like walking down this little stairway mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, kind of fanning out and they're going to go kill some guys. And they, they're walking down the stairs and this, they, they look like the daintiest little soldiers you've ever seen, <laughs> you know? And I understand that in 2022, we have like a higher, you know, in some sense, higher standards of, you know, kind of like what dead air and action sequences look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did, it does kind of remind me that, you know, at this time, you were not you know kind of used to taking your stars and putting them in the jungle and sending them through like military training for six weeks mm-hmm. to get them to you know carry their weapons properly and do that you know this was yeah, this, yeah. This, this was not something that was done at this time um so you know you for, you forgive it for that but it was it was like yeah this was like top tier action in 1987 and hell this parts of this actually kind of look like 
you know, the F troop or something. You know? <laughs> like it's, it's not that bad. I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you know, mm. it is, but there, there were certain shots that I was kind of like, yeah, this, this looks like a parody now because it's so like comically undersold in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, no disrespect to the film in that sense. It's just like, it's parts of it have not aged as well as others. Let's yeah. Yeah. Way. Yeah. But uh, I, I do find it funny after they clear the base, it's like, uh, Dutch goes clear the area, no traces. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you gonna do? Are you gonna are raise you, are, it to the ground? Yeah. Are you gonna pick up every spent shell? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> no. if, like, how how many explosives did you bring with you exactly that you're gonna yeah. just like blow this place up? You know, or whatever. Like they're um, they're 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 engaging this this yeah. Soviet backed guerrilla force, right? That, and if any more of those gorillas come to check it out, they're immediately going to know it was like an American funded team that did the job. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, no, that's the Austrian government. That's Schwarzenegger there, you see. So that's, that's oh, the yeah. deniability there. You know? Yeah, no, his, 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 uh, his, his uh, spit shells have an accent. That's, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's how they know, right? Mm. Yeah, no. no, I mean, I was, yeah, no, I, and, and I'm just kind of like the absurdity of like, also, like, where are they supposed to be exactly? And like, the Soviets are building some kind of forward base in Central America yeah. to invade the U.S. Like, I think what? it's I think it's to invade Mexico. Okay, which still tactically probably doesn't make much sense, but right. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I don't know, like it's it. it there, there is a deep kind of unease with um, American adventurism in. Uh, and um central and south america that is sort of like touched on in this and mm-hmm. this kind of like distaste with uh just sort of like that kind of post-vietnam syndrome and the film is very much like oh look at these kind of badass soldiers and all this kind of stuff but but ultimately the whole point is you know this is this kind of like morally ambiguous mission with kind of like unclear objectives we got ourselves into the shit and then the shit ended up being like even worse than we thought and in that sense the choice to like you know, overtly racialize the alien. And so that he does mm-hmm. look very much in this kind of like, like a caricature of like, you know, South American tribesmen or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, um, actually sort of makes sense in this context alone. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is a deeply problematic thing. And then once you like move in and then suddenly he's like a Central American drug lord is <laughs> in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this becomes a lot more problematic, you know, but at least <laughs> there is the sense of in which, you know, the like the alien exists is this sort of like um, almost like avenging spirit of uh, the jungle in a way, mm. you know, um, which again, I'm, you know, I am not going to, I don't think we should uncritically think that's fine, but I think it's at least interesting in that the film is, is going there with it. You know, I, I think that was on the mind, you know, Stan Winston did the creature effects mm-hmm. for this. Um, and there's clearly something going on in his head. In terms he of like he rescued here. the creature effects of this because they had an original <laughs> run one right. Well, we'll get into that into the trivia, but um, yeah, it, it is interesting that it, it went that direction, and also, yeah, the the, the more like the connection to like it's d- the way it's designed to more earthly kind of things, and there's this horror movie sort of aspect to it that's kind of brushing up against it where you know uh our uh anna here she talks about how oh uh, we have you know legends and stuff of these things right. visiting before demons that hunt men as trophies and stuff like that it does 
add really good atmosphere to a movie that has maybe two or three paragraphs of actual plot. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and you don't even, it's funny. Like you, you can imagine an alternate version of this in which you don't even have like, where it's not an alien, where it's not like mm-hmm. kind of obvious technology and where it's just like this thing skulking in the shadows. That's like, yeah. you know, ripping these people apart and like leaving their bodies hung, like literally could, like, could like be, meat, uh, you know? could be like, you know, Mayan or Aztec demon or some right, shit, yeah. right? You know, yeah, it would be very easy. It would be very easy to, um, to reimagine this as that concept. I know mm-hmm. the original concept for the film was okay. We're going to put <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger against like six or seven different alien species mm-hmm. and we're hunting him, um, which also sounds like a fascinating movie. You know, like a, yeah, yeah, but but less interesting than what this ends up being, you know, um, it was a very, very kind of different kind of attitude towards it. And apparently Schwarzenegger himself was the one who suggested, you know, no, we need to have more of a team. We need to have more, you know, kind of grounded in realism. I mean, you know, Schwarzenegger talent. I mean, he was a talented guy at things that are not just being able to lift muscle, lift heavy things. You know, he, he, no, he, he, he really has the shrewdness about like what he, projects to take. You know, he knows what works in movies. Uh, people, pe- I think people, you know, they underestimate how smart he actually is when it, when it comes yep. to shit like this. Like, I mean, he, he's obviously, he's obviously a fan of, you know, a lot of the sort of cinema that's come before that, you know, informs this movie. I guess he took this project on and, and kind of said no to like, you know, n- just one alien. He he wanted to have a team, right? Like he, he wanted this to be like a magnificent seven or seven samurai yep. mm-hmm. or, you know, men on a mission film basically. And, and he got that. So, and it works it, like it, it, it's, it's a tried and true f- formula, but it, it works perfectly well in this situation where it's like, sci-fi action slasher movie all of a sudden you know yeah. like yeah and i i do want to mention um i really like the camera work in this uh because it kind of, it's very fluid and mobile like it, you know guy going around a fucking uh steady cam or whatever the fuck and and just following them in the jungle and it does do a really good job of putting you basically right there pov with the team kind of thing Especially, especially when they first get in the jungle too. Like, there's some really good uh, camera movements that kind of almost do an entire like uh, 360 all around as as they're like going down into the into the jungle, and it breaks off and follows different people at different times. And I, I only noticed it this time. This time I was watching, it's like there's some really good fucking camera work going on in this fucking hellhole of a jungle where it couldn't have been easy to like walk around with that, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, apparently it was just a hellish shoot for everybody. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, um, there's not a single shot in this movie that is, that is shot on flat ground. It is all mountains and hills mm. and rocks and trees. Yeah. And yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, it's much, as much as the, uh, as much as the actors seem to, uh, you know, have had a rough time that I can only imagine what the, what the crew were doing, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. around, you know, huge amounts of, um, you know, of camera equipment. And this is obviously all pre-digital, of course. This is all, mm-hmm. you know, you were carrying like film magazines around and like old school audio effects uh, and, and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, for sure. yeah. And, you know, er- everything you would expect in this environment, right? Like bugs, snakes, spiders, lizards, leeches just the humidity water. just the humidity, the humidity imagine yeah. imagine what the humidity would do to to half of this equipment you know like it's, and, it's amazing that anything gets made in these kind of conditions and apparently apparently where they were filming it, it wasn't it was it was kind of like the desert in the sense where when night fell 
like the temperatures got really, really mm. like they skyrocketed down, you know, kind of thing. Like, sure, yeah. So it, it's not like right. it's not like he, <laughs> here in summer where it's like it gets really humid and then it's like humid the entire night as well. It's like, no, it, it gets like fucking bone chilling cold, apparently, where they were. Shooting. Yeah, it, it, was, it was shot in the mountains of um, mm-hmm. southern Mexico. It was shot, you know, not not on the new Yucatan Peninsula, but very close there. Why mm-hmm. they're thereby. So we're talking like high altitude. There are like ruins near there. It's like a tourist area um, okay. or something. So um, apparently, you know, you're not far away from, you know, kind of quote unquote civilization. <laughs> very mm-hmm. complicated term to use in this context. But yeah. Not yeah, far yeah. away from like people in a city or everything, but like this is not this is not like you know sort of you know comfort. <laughs> comfort. No, no, I, I it it yeah. could not have been fun. Uh, I, I I mean I I think John McTiernan broke his wrist while they were shooting. Like oh and, god, and, <laughs> like he fell out of a tree or some shit and didn't want to admit admit it. And then he realized after the fact, after the shoot, that he had actually broken his wrist. And it was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Apparently, Schwarzenegger himself, himself spent like three weeks covered in mud. So mm-hmm. for that, like, 10 minutes of the movie or so, you know, Schwarzenegger was, that's like three weeks of filming, which tells you exactly how, you know, like, grueling this shoot must have been. Yeah, and, and I guess a lot of them had, quote-unquote, Montezuma's revenge, and like, yeah. just... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just it just sounds fucking awful. Everyone has diarrhea all the yeah. time, except for McTiernan because he didn't trust the water. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess Arnie didn't get sick either. I guess he was the one of the only ones who didn't get sick as well. But um, and you know, and on top of that, everybody's like pushing themselves super hard in this environment. So like the the stories of how like they would start in the gym at like 3 a.m. to like one up each other and like pump as much iron as they could. There is, there is more testosterone per square meter of this film than any other film ever. Made. Mm. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is just like, you know, you could, you could prescribe this to trans people to, you know, just mm-hmm. keep watching predator. You're going to be fine. Yeah. It's gotta work. You don't need injections. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I gotta ask you: Do you think this is Arnie's best role? Oh um, no, 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 I don't. I mean, I I see I why you could say that. I think, I think it's think, his best in the eighties, as far as like an actor. Yeah, well, I love him in the Terminator so much, though, and I love him in. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking like eighties, and you're talking about like how the quality of performance, mm-hmm. I think this is probably the most um, sophisticated his acting ever gets. Um, I, I think, until, yeah. At least until the kind of the more like comedy things and the like T two is is probably a bit more sophisticated and um, some of the later stuff in the nineties where he's kind of doing more action comedy stuff where it's, he's kind of playing with his image more. But yeah, I I never think of this on the list of like great Arnold performances. But you know, now that you say so, I think you know, yeah, there is there is a lot more sophistication to this than I think. Um, it would be easy to kind of dismiss it as just you know steroid central, but yeah, you know, there is something more going on, yeah. Because I, I like I like the way he is characterized here, right? Like, so he comes off as like very professional, very rational, like and like an obvious leader to his team. Like he catches on to what's going on really quickly, mm-hmm. and, and and you know, and he rationalizes it. Like he's like, okay, there's something inhuman that's hunting us, and he accepts it yeah. and moves on with it. When the rest of his team really can't, he's also I just kind of like how much this like 
cuts into his image of being like this like ubermensch basically like because because at the end he's getting his ass fucking handed to him by the predator like honestly it's not that he beats the predator one-on-one he and not even that he necessarily outwits the predator he kind of just gets lucky more than anything else yeah no sure Um, yeah, which we can talk about exactly. Uh, you know, that's a that's a whole lot of setup there. <laughs> oh, a- the, the predator is very generous to give him like a whole day to set up a death trap. So, yeah. so the predator can't can't see him because of mud, mm. and the predator has no other detection ability. Like, uh, and you know that that infrared vision great for like picking up like hot things uh, in in the in your view. Um, mm-hmm. Not so great if you're trying to view in the visual spectrum because yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, there are a couple of moments in which he was right there. He yeah. was right there, you know. Um, maybe he was, he was moving. Like, you could still see movement in that blue void that yeah. you've got in front of you there, you know? Right, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so, you know, we'll, we'll give it that, but then, like, he gets, like, a full day to just, like, he's like making rope he's you know like chopping down trees he's like building this elaborate death trap he builds a fucking bow and some arrows uh with like you know like i guess like not explosive ends but like you know well there there is a yeah there's a there's there's like a shell from uh from the grenade launcher is one of them and then (laughs) Then a, then a couple of them are just pieces of metal that he sharpened. One of them is his is his, his fucking knife. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he's he's using the tools that he has, but I mean, he does a ton of shit in like a few hours while the predator is just kind of off, like fucking around. Apparently, like yeah. the predator just decides to go jerk off for a day. I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, it's like, okay, cool. He's making rope out of vines to to you know, attach all these levers and, and all this shit. It's like, it would take me a whole day to get all those ropes done. Like it, it, I mean, it, would, take, it would take me like a week, you know, yeah. <laughs> when's the last time he's not carrying rations. There's no no. Food. Like at a certain point, you know, it's just, it, it does, it does get, um, you know, it is absurd. It is comically absurd, but mm-hmm. it's also like, well, this is what, this is what you signed up for with this movie was, yeah. Was, kind of thing so, so you know it's hard to complain too much about it because it is like clearly like the show-stopping sequence of the film you know mm-hmm. like, this is what we bought the ticket for but um it's just a lot it's a lot <laughs> yeah it, it just just attack on like you know arnie kind of you know what i'm gonna like dig into my image a little bit here he doesn't even get the best fucking one-liners like his one-liners are all like other than like get to the chopper and come on kill me i'm here the rest of the time it's everybody else just like shooting off one-liners like it's you know we 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 got we got this one here from uh jesse ventura this stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus just like me (laughs) (laughs) which you know definitely definitely a double-edged sword there jesse ventura yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kind of took uh, that a couple ways there. <laughs> uh, are, are those small arms your 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 balls? Like what's what's going on? Uh, <laughs> you 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 mean your ability to uh, to attract sexual energy is actually extinct? It has been for millions of years. Like is that what you're? You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's passing around. He's passing around fucking chew in the fucking uh, helicopters <laughs> yeah. or deploy. It's like. Dude, if you survive this mission, you you got some like fucking tongue cancer in your future yeah, in like two years. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but but no, he he honestly, I think he gets the best lines. He's got the the other one here, which is also a classic. You're hit. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. Like it's good. Like Jesse Ventura, kind of like the fact that he doesn't survive halfway through the film. Kind of like if he had, he might have run away with a lot of this film. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure, yeah, yeah. Um, you also gotta love, uh, you know, uh, Shane Black's, uh, you know, jokes. Oh, some of the yeah, best, yeah. some of the best, best bits of the film for sure. That's, and that's uh, apparently, Shane tough. Black did do kind of a did, did do a pass on the script, and mm-hmm. you know, there are bits of it where you're like, yeah, we know exactly which bits Shane Black. Yo, you mean the bits that Shane Black says that sound mm-hmm. like they come from a Shane Black script? Maybe Shane Black might have gone like, I'm going to give myself some cool lines. <laughs> you know, well, Shane Black's um, got a got an interesting acting career, right? Like it's it seems like he gets bit parts based on like. Hey, you want to take a pass at my script for my film, and I'll I'll put you in the film as well. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's uh, that's a uh, Spike Jones had that uh, had you know was like third third lead in uh, uh, Three Kings. Oh yeah, I think there was a similar kind of process that went there. Is like you know, <laughs> oh yeah, we're my directing buddy. Uh, yeah, just uh, why don't you come on and uh, say some lines, and we'll give you a part, and then it just kind of explodes. So, um, but yeah. No, this was this was like you know this was really um, Shane Black's year because Lethal Weapon comes out the same year and mm-hmm. uh, you know he's he he just he just hits it hard and you know it's it's amazing that like he doesn't it's amazing that a lot of these guys don't kind of have like more um, you know kind of kind of um, bit part acting credits in them you know it's it's surprising that there wasn't that because Shane Black is really good here he could have been mm-hmm. you know a character actor and I guess. Why would you want to be a character actor when you're going to make millions <laughs> writing well, screenplays? You know, I mean, yeah, when um, you're when you're when you're writing tons of scripts, half of them, more than half of them, don't get picked up, but you get paid for them. So, yeah, I mean, that's fuck. that's just kind of the process. But um, yeah. it, it is a shame because uh, I think you know, '80s and early '90s Shane Black would have been. It would be really fun to have him to have like a, a little like coterie of like a dozen or so like bit parts that he was in you know and, um, and he's he's an interesting counterpoint to the rest of the team too because like the rest of the team are older they're obviously all vietnam vets he's obviously like a good 15 years younger than the rest of them or whatever you know? right so he's he's like the whiz kid like soldier that gets attached to it you know because mm-hmm. he's got special skills or whatever but he's right. he has not seen the same amount of shit they've seen you know kind of thing but you you definitely get the sense they still respect him though i mean oh yeah that is a team that has worked together on many occasions you know oh yeah um, he he's yeah. in the he's in that team for a reason like in of course you see the the, the dis- disdain that carl weathers gets because he's CIA and he's attached to <laughs> command this team uh, ahead of Dutch and his the rest of the team are very antagonistic about that. Like they're like, yeah, well, you 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 look at us wrong. We're gonna fuck you up, man. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's all there is to it. And when you do get that kind of like budding respect at the end, I mean, it is a very like dudes movie. It is yeah, this dudes rock the movie. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like Carl Weathers, um, you have to lose your fucking arm before I'm gonna respect your ass. You know, <laughs> right? You know. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I have seen this so many times in like the TV edit that like mm-hmm. I actually forget just how gruesome that scene is until I was. Oh yeah, I'm like, wow, that's that's impressive like that there's a lot there it is i mean some this of the definitely best. has like some of those like you know that thing goria level like gore effects oh know? yeah um, like yeah just just uh just uh just even character getting his whole torso blown out like yeah <laughs> and it looks so real like it, it's yeah. yeah no and the skin bodies dylan's arm getting shot off like you said and 
it, it lingers more on that arm than I thought. Like I thought it was like, you know, like two seconds. I guess that is the TV cut, but it's like more like a good four seconds. You see his arm laying. Yeah, no, it's, it's quite a bit. Yeah, it's quite a bit. And that you know, it's still like holding that trigger down and you know, mm-hmm. firing blindly. I yeah, know it's it's a moment. I mean, there's a reason that it that that's like the one moment. Well, before the meme, the two arms meme is like the one thing that people remember about <laughs> yeah. it now. You know, like that's that's the legacy. Uh, that's the Twitter legacy of predators. You know, the yeah. meme. But um, yeah, no. millennials. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, this, that, those are zoomers, man. <laughs> We're not yeah. millennials anymore. The zoomers discovered like that shot. And it's and it's so you watch it in, in the moment and it's just such this like homoerotic tension just mm-hmm. being released immediately. Like yeah. there is just if this is like, you know, this is so gay. And I don't mean that like in any kind of pejorative way, but like there is that you can read a ton of homoeroticism. Oh, too. no, you like you, every you, frame you, you know, you yeah. know, Mac and Blaine were fucking. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that, that's yeah. a love. That's a love story that's deeply nestled in this movie like that. They just don't explore enough. They don't give yeah. it enough time. But it's like, no, those, those those two. Yeah, no, no kidding. They walked out of Vietnam together and then they walked right in the bed together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we should talk about the effects a little bit here because I think mm-hmm. this is I mean, that's, that's certainly what I remembered from it growing up. And uh, this is I mean, just bleeding edge effects um no oh, yeah it's just pre-cgi is this yeah. the other thing you know everything here is like a practical effect it's all you know? uh well like there there you know there there is like green screen stuff but it like it's technically all on camera basically is everything you right. see yeah yep. yeah yeah this, um, is, this is before there even existed a like cgi kind of thing i mean you had like a little bit of stuff that was kind of going on but like this mm-hmm. is all like all of the like thermovision stuff is all you know in camera the uh the um glowing blood the glowing blood of the predator um glow that's stick. all like glow sticks yeah i mean you yeah. know how simple just crack a glow stick on the, you, know, <laughs> you gotta you gotta wonder just uh you know what the environmental impact like you know pouring glow sticks in the rainforest is but uh you know it's things glow yeah. Glow, glow sticks and KY jelly, as far as I recall, um, is, is what they used. Uh, and, and and that was just the most effective. Apparently, originally, they wanted the blood to be like orange or something, but they couldn't get the formulation to work properly and look good on camera. So they went with that. So, they, I mean, you know, it looks great. I mean, it looks yeah. great now for sure. Yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, uh, and the, and the have, like the invisibility effect as well. Like, the yeah, way apparently, uh, I mean, you might have it in your funny. I, I was about to, yeah, I was about that, to yeah. mention it here. Uh, so the the creature's capacity for invisibility was done by having an extra wear a bright red suit that was removed with chroma key, and then the process would leave an invisible space on the actual film. Right, so they would late, r- later animate. Uh, after the take was repeated without actors using a 30% wider lens. And then they combined the two things together to like make this vague outline that sort of brought the jungle in with that kaleidoscope effect um, and refracted light or whatever, you know, whatever the technology is supposed to do for the predator. But that's kind of how they achieved it in camera kind of thing. Right. Right. And you imagine like how complicated some of the shots are with the invisibility and how Mm -hmm. seamless that is, like even Mm -hmm. to a modern eye like that, you know, there are a couple of shots where you can kind of go, yeah, that doesn't quite work, but it, it, it works. It still works. Um, And Yeah. It, it looks seamless. It's flawless. It's just, um, it's it, there. There's a reason that, like, you know, there's that Stan, that Stan, that Stan Lewinson guy. Yeah, he's a, 
may, maybe he might have a career ahead of him. Based, yeah, <laughs> based on this, seems, yeah. seems like he knows a, a thing or two. <laughs> about a, seems like he might in six years be making Jurassic Park, you know, maybe. <laughs> well, it, it was weird. I guess, I guess there was like some like confusion with the Academy Awards where they didn't know how to like necessarily give an award to this film because of the different levels of effects on it. Like you had your practical effects, you had your makeup effects, you had your visual effects within the camera and stuff like that. And they were all combined together to such an extent that right. uh, like, I, I can't remember what, a, I didn't write down what awards they won, but it like, I guess it was like special visual effects or something for Stan Winston. But, <laughs> but it was like, there were, it, it caused some problems. Like they had to rethink how they <laughs> thought about a, the rewarding effects with this film. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is kind of one of those things in which you're like just far ahead enough of the people around you that they don't quite know. They don't quite understand how to even credit you. Like that's, the, <laughs> like that's a, that's a big moment. That's gotta be a big yeah. moment. You know, like, yeah, it feels like uh, when the Lord of the Rings films were made, um, the, 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 the first Peter Jackson trilogy, mm-hmm. it seemed like they were racking up, like nominations but not wins and i think it was you know there was this other thing of like we just don't even know how to we don't even know how to talk about this like this is such an achievement that we're just gonna save it all to the end and then you're just gonna win everything um yeah (laughs) no uh yeah no that's uh that's that's way it goes sometimes Mm. i guess but all right so i i think you know controversial opinion that we that we share that uh, this is a really good movie yeah it's pretty good it's pretty good yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, we're going against the tide here a little bit uh you saying that but um yeah i'll, I'll just get into our, our box office and trivia stuff here uh so the budget for this was somewhere between 15 to 18 million uh it says the eventual box office was 98.3 but according to uh, making of featurette on one of the multitude of uh, DVD releases, um, the movie only actually really broke even around 2001 after the no- numerous re-releases, TV deals, and merchandise. Which I don't know how that yeah, works because it, yeah, because it says the box office is 98.3 million, and I'm assuming that's you know within the year that it was released, right? So, uh, yeah, that's from Box Office Mojo accessed in 2014. So, yeah. So I I, I don't know what they're go- going on about there. Like, the, the, there's no way they could have been. There's no way the advertising budget that, you know, usually is hidden from the budget would have been like. Fifty million dollars, or whatever. yeah, they're not. They're not like they're not releasing it in that same sense. Maybe it's just I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe Schwarzenegger got a little bit of the back end or something. I don't know. You know, could I, could be. I, yeah, or maybe they're just blowing smoke up our ass. Or maybe yeah, uh, box office budget has it wrong. But uh, I, I would find it very unusual if this film did not make money on its initial release. It was considered I, a big hit. Yeah, I mean, it got a it got a fucking sequel like in a couple of years afterwards. So it's like. You, you don't usually do that unless you've made money in the first film. Um, release info for this, Blu-ray, DVD, uh, 4K and 3D editions, iTunes, Google Play, Microsoft Store, Amazon Prime, Vudu, and Movies Anywhere are streaming options. Um, I usually like check out the release info on Blu-ray.com. It's a pretty reliable source for this kind of stuff. I looked at the amount of fucking Blu-rays and DVDs alone. It is fucking <laughs> crazy. This is one of the most released films ever. <laughs> I can believe it. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, yeah. So interesting little bit of trivia here that 
kind of amused me. Uh, footage from this film is actually edited into qu- an episode of Quantum Leap. Uh, oh, yeah, probably yeah, the, the Vietnam War episode. Yeah, the yeah the Leap Home Part Two, yeah, Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, when Sam leaps into the Vietnam jungle in the middle of an ambush, the scenes of the jungle being destroyed by gunfire are from this film. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess the, I guess they got some release rights there. I don't know. NBC owned a chunk of. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so we we did touch on this a little bit, but um, so all the night scenes were filmed during freezing cold temperatures, which was especially hard on Schwarzenegger during the last half of the film where he had to wear mud all the time, which was actually pottery clay. It became cold and wet. So uh, he was warned that it would take his body temperature down a few degrees. And he was shivering nonstop. Even when they tried to heat him with lamps, it basically just dried out the clay. So he, so he did the dumb thing that we, you know, we kind of all believed when we were kids, like, you know, drinking alcohol will make you warmer. He started drinking Jagger tea, a schnapps mixture to warm him, but that just got him drunk. So he was getting drunk on. Of course, of course he did. The Austrian man. It's like, I am freezing in the middle of Mexico. Give me my Jagger tea. (laughs) It's an old home remedy. (laughs) man uh so this is you know this is a uh sort of trivia point it's probably one of the most famous trivia points of this where how jean-claude van damme was originally cast to play the predator right right uh the idea the idea being that the physical action star would be able to use his martial arts to make the predator an agile ninja-like hunter however the design for the uh predator originally was too cumbersome and difficult to manage in the jungle and Van Dam wouldn't make the re- couldn't make the required movements in it. Additionally, it was and you know Van Dam's like like five nine or something. <laughs> right. um, uh, so Van Dam couldn't make the required movements. Additionally, it was reported Van Dam constantly complained about the monster suit being too hot, which is understandable if you see the fucking rig they put on him. Uh, it's like a giant praying mantis kind of design. Right. Um, while also uh, voicing his reservations on numerous occasions about the fact that they would not be. Uh, he would not be appearing on camera without the suit. Van Damme was finally removed from the film officially for being too short. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and his team were all like between 6'2 and 6'5. Uh, so, although I think that kind of makes it even more interesting, the idea of like this really short alien, like wiping out these right. big muscle men, like that kind of adds to the like uh, macho bullshit. This is macho bullshit. Um, but of course, he was replaced by uh, Kevin Peter Hall, who was seven two, and the suit was redesigned uh, because uh, of of his uh, imposing frame. But it was, and even then, it was like eight feet tall. So it, <laughs> right. he was. So even Kevin Peter Hall, I believe, was on sort of like a stilt mechanism to a certain extent, um, and it was still very cumbersome. Uh, cumbersome, and um, even though he was a large, powerful man, he still had a bungee rig attached to him to make all the stunts work and stuff. You know, yeah, there, there's a reason you don't have a lot of sequences of the predator, like in full focus, like moving mm-hmm. around in this movie, you know, it's, it's a lot of like close ups. It's a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. you know, standing still shots. Uh, there's, there's just not a whole lot of that the, because the um, ultimately the creature design is brilliant, but uh, you, know, you can't move around in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and another, and another thing I noticed, like I, when I got to the trivia, it's like, yes, okay. I'm validated. Um, Cause I, I noticed watching this film. It's like some of these shots, 
they look kind of really grainy, like really, really grainy. And so the B camera was given a reel of incorrect film stock, and that's why some of the shots are super grainy compared to others. Mm. Like the most noticeable one for me is when Arnold jumps off the fucking uh, side of the cliff down the waterfall. Oh, yeah. that is very, very grainy. Also, that's notorious as well because the stunt actor who did that blew at his knee doing that stunt. Oh, jeez. Uh, it, yeah. it, it looked painful. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> you ever see a stunt and you're like, well, somebody didn't survive that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I've seen, that, I've seen that, some that movies. That was one of those stunts for me. I was rewatching it going like, yeah, that, that looks like that looks like an accident happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, a, a blown out knee is probably like the least worst thing that could have happened to you right, yeah, doing that yeah. stunt. But um yeah, that's Predator. Holy yeah, shit. No. We did um, it. Look yeah, that. we did it. <laughs> Go us. No no podcast ever has 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 tackled this uh yeah. No. <laughs> this forgotten piece of uh, film history, yeah, yeah. Here, here <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad we did it. I'm glad I rewatched it. I had a really good time rewatching it. I had a great time mm-hmm. chatting with you about it. Um, yeah, uh, there's just you know, there's just not like it's all either like deep subtext or it's just kind of like, well, that was cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, I mean, you remember that scene where like his arm gets chopped off and then uh, you know he has to uh, kill him with the other just, gun. Yeah. It's, it's even foreshadowed when like you know Dutch throws him the second machine gun. Mm-hmm. It's like it's, it's like Dutch, you might you might want that later. Like, you know, like you, you probably shouldn't like disarm yourself in this moment. You know, like there there um, there is there is like some subtle foreshadowing to things like. Even at the end, Dutch kind of does to the Predator what Predator did to the previous Green Beret team that went in before Schwarzenegger's team, where he ambushes them from the trees. Right. Because that's the whole thing, right? Like, they spend time like, there's no tracks here, Dutch, or whatever, you know? It's because the Predator's been in the trees the whole fucking time, like, shooting down on these fuckers. Um, But yeah, it's it's got some, it's got more than your usual action movie bullshit. Like, it's got some depth to it. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Daniel, it's always a pleasure when we can get you back, you know. Not to get too sentimental, but we always miss having you. So uh, yeah, I, I miss being here. It's it's a lot of fun. I'm just uh, you know doing other things right now, but hopefully we'll be back more often um, in the future. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. So uh, tell people what you've been up to uh, lately. Sure. So um, on my other podcast, I don't speak German. I track the worst people in the English speaking world. <laughs> By the time, I track uh, you know literal Nazis. Uh, you know, sort of the former drinks of the alt right uh, people who uh, don't believe in the Holocaust, but think it should probably happen again sometime. Um, those people, I track them and I talk about them on my podcast. So if that sounds like interesting stuff for you to listen to, um, please feel free. I think it is important work, and uh, mm-hmm. you're happy to get to do it. So. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you you uh, do that with our friend. Com. Yep. With yep. our friend. Yep. Jack Graham. With, yep. Yeah. Jack Graham. And it's a very good podcast. And if you want to get informed on things, you should listen to it. Yep. Uh, um, I'm on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper if you want to do that. Because I, uh, that's my, that's really the only social media I use anymore these days. So. Mm hmm. Uh, and of course, you can find us at They Must Be Destroyed on site, tmbdos.podbean.com. Uh, you can also find us uh, via Lady Lee's Instagram, which is Mighty Tiny All Star, all one word. She tends to post whenever we have new episodes. I send her the shit. She puts it up there. So if you're if you're one of those Instagram kids, that's a that's a way to get into this. Um, 
you can also find us on Facebook. We have the They Must Be Destroyed on Site Facebook group. That's the best way to get in contact with us and ask questions, leave comments, uh, give us recommendations for movies to do, and all that good stuff. Not sure 100% what we're doing next time. We have a few things floating up in the air. Uh, Lady Lee is, even though I'm a very horror film-centric fan, She's much more a Halloween centric fan than me. Like she's yeah. very much like she makes pageantry out of Halloween. Like she yeah. really loves that shit. And she's like, we're going to do some fucking horror movies for October. Right. I was like, well, yeah, that was kind of the plan beforehand. She's like, well, no, we're going to do horror movies. All right. So we're going to do horror movies. And so we're going to have, you know, maybe, you know, one to three regular episodes in October, depending on how our schedules go covering some horror movies. And my plan is to have, some uh, intermission episodes where we, you know, do a few shorter episodes, you know, covering like maybe a couple slasher movies or some other things to just plop down for your, you people, for you to listen to uh, every week. Uh, we already got two in the can. Um, we did, we did an intermission a few days ago on a movie called the Oracle from 1985. And uh, we have a, little intermission episode we did that was originally going to be something for Gary Hill's uh, cinema beef podcast, but he never ended up finishing his uh, little uh, 31 days of howling beasts for Halloween last year. So uh, it's just like, Hey Gary, can I just take the audio and release it on our feed instead for something? It's like, yeah, go ahead. Fuck it. So uh, sure. Yeah, so I got I got two things already sitting in the can for uh, October, and should be a few more. Going to try to get a hold of Paul and uh, maybe do some slasher films with him and stuff, and uh, we'll see what goes on. But uh, sounds yeah. like a plan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but yeah. Uh, again, Daniel, great to have you back, and uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye.
You've been listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through.